Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. The Houndsman XP Podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week do you spend out As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> It's an Ask Me Anything Friday special edition of the Houndsman XP podcast. We've been through this before. You're going to hear it on the podcast, but this is how you get your questions submitted for an Ask Me Anything Friday. When you see the picture of Tuff and I in our Facebook group and the announcement that the books are open for all the questions, fire away, folks. Chad Reynolds of the Houndsman XP team and the co-host of All Mixed Up joins me on this episode of Ask Me Anything Friday to get you those much-needed answers for these questions that you have. The dog box is rocking. 
Let's get the tailgate down. It's time to dump the box. Yeah, so Chad shows up sporting the mountain man beard. If you shaved your mustache off, we'd have to call you Jad Graber. <laughs> Yoder. There you go. That's that's the best part, man. That's that's the only thing I could really you I could really good. hammer out is a mustache. I gotta keep it there. Yeah, you look distinguished. That's something. Yeah. Something. <laughs> is uh, <sighs> Ashley Ashley giving you advice and grooming tips on your beard? And she's hit or miss. It's every other day. She says it makes me look older, you know. I get but that. But then uh, you I know, get that so, too. um and I guess a while ago that would have been a good thing, but now that I'm actually starting to get old, um, I don't know if that's how good of a thing that is, you know. But she says the other day when I was out there mercilessly attacking the ducks that it it looked very ruggedly handsome. So I think it's gonna stay for a little while longer, you know. Oh uh, man. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Talk about getting older, man. I'm kind of spun up right now. Yeah. My first grandkids do in about two and a half weeks. Oh, wow. Wow. That changes things then, man. You know, I... it's one of those deals. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, on one hand you look at it and you're like, what's going to be like having somebody call me papa or grandpa or whatever. Uh-huh. But then on the other hand, it's, it's exciting because it's like this little human being I get to corrupt and send back home to her mother. So there's some payback involved too. Oh yeah. Big time. Yep. My mom's the worst about it, man. Like it's, it's all good nature. I mean, none of it's bad, you know, the, right. the, the child's only genuinely benefiting from it, but she just spoils her with gifts and all kinds of stuff and <laughs> loves on her and dotes on her. And, you know, like they'll literally do whatever the little one wants to do, you know? And I'm like, God, really? You had to, you can say no, it's possible, you know? So every time I leave, when I leave the daughter with my mom now, I might practice, say, no, Roxy, we can't do that. <laughs> and I try and get her to say it 10 or 12 times before I leave, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be more, I think I'm going to be, my wife is going to be uh, the one that's going to try to spoil her, spoil, mm-hmm. spoil our grand, grandkids. And that's kind of their job, you know? Yeah. But grandpas are supposed to be a little more, if they call me grumpy, that'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of grampy or grandpa, mm-hmm. you know, right. if they call me grumpy. That'll be okay. They need a little bit of grumpiness. You know, they need, they need some of that, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be exciting, but Hey, Chad, man, I appreciate you joining me. Help me work through some of this AMA. Ask me anything Friday stuff. Got every time we post one of these, we get all kinds of wild and crazy questions. <laughs> Derek yeah. Tormanen absolutely ruined his perfect track record by not engaging on this on this episode ah. and asking a question. <laughs> he's made he's asked questions in every AMA. We've answered every one of his questions on an AMA. He was batting a thousand. So I guess he was just stepping back to give some other people a chance. Yeah. You don't want to hog the light all the time, right? You know? Yeah. He was he's just a, giving other opportunities out he's there. He's a community guy, community yeah. player, team player, <laughs> 100%. So, um, yeah, I say we just dive right in and start tackling some of these questions and, and trying to come up with answers. And and just so everybody knows, uh, if if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, 
the way to get involved in an AMA Friday is to join our Houndsman XP Facebook group. And then when you see the picture of my Yog Terrier Tough and I in my truck with both of us having kind of an astonished, amazed look on our face. <laughs> can't miss it. You can't miss it. That when you <laughs> see that and you see it's AMA Friday time, you can start loading up your questions. And uh, we have fun questions. We have some serious questions. We have uh, some questions that give us leeway to either be the experts or make stuff up. So <laughs> <laughs> some of them are pretty tough. Some of them were, were deep thought questions and then some of them are just going to be fun. Which question do you want to hit first, Chad? Oh gosh. Um, and of course, Chad's eating. That's like his trademark during yeah. the podcast. It's his downtime. He has to restore his calorie energy. So he can't make to, man. I'm yeah. starved to death. Um, let's see. I um well, I, I don't know. We could we could start off light with the best cut of Sasquatch meat. Uh that's personally, John, that came from John Boland. John Boland's <laughs> he's he's been on the podcast a couple times we did one on uh uh the first one he did was i shook hands with the hsus highly recommend everybody go listen to that podcast that's one of the top of all time podcasts and uh then he we had another one on sustainable living and um you know just sustainable simple lifestyle living both of them oh, great. Nice. yeah yeah both of them great so read the question again. John Bolin asks. Um, let's see. He asked, I'm trying to find it again really quick. Yeah. What's the, what's the best cut of meat from a Sasquatch and how do you prepare it? Whoo. Uh, well, it, it all depends where you're hunting your Sam squanches, you know? Um, uh, the, I, I would, I found when, when I, you know, butcher up a Sasquatch, and if they come from the prairies, they, they walk too much and they're a little stringy Ooh, yeah. and tough, you know? So I prefer uh, the, the mountain squatches, you know, um, or the ones you could find in the wetlands. They, they don't move quite as far, you know, and uh, it's less aerobic activity, you know, but the muscle yeah. in the legs is a little bit bigger because they're going up and downhill, you know, mm -hmm. but they aren't walking quite as long. So it's not as tough. And well, I'm is, a it because, is it because the... Like out on the prairie, the game is and resources, food resources are yeah. farther yeah. apart than in like right. say a say a wetland where you know, they can reach over and grab a nutrient and, and like chomp its head off and Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They're they're probably having to travel too long a distance at night to get water and then food and and then everything else they're eating out there is gonna taste like sage, you know. So that you know, that's not yeah. depending on your taste, you know, but like you know, the uphill mountain squatches, you know, getting big, loose muscle in your in your hamstrings, your hams, you know, and uh, or, yeah, and a, a varied diet, you know, less rodents and and stuff. And, you know, they have they have more tubers and plants and organic matter up there. So, yeah. Wow. Um, and then I'm not a smoking guy. I'm I'm all about grilling personally. So no um, kidding. Yep. That's right. Which so grilled, uh, grilled hams off of a off of a mountain squatch. That's that's the best right there. I bet I bet John he's got an awesome smoker. So I bet we need to have oh, John yeah. come back on and do some squatch squatch ham smoking. <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> what do you think about that? Do you agree? But you know, 
Yeah. Um, I'd stay away from like the, the, the Jack links squatch, you know, the, I mean that he's eating some chemically enhanced beef jerky there, <laughs> which I love. I mean, I love it, but, <laughs> but I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking that, that, that could be a, maybe go a little wrong. Um, huh. I've never heard of anything in the, like the desert squatch. Yeah. You know, we'd have to ask Seth and yeah. see what his his evidence is of any activity in the desert. For he could give us the scientific name. It's probably, you know, the greater Squatchus Maximus Israelius <laughs> or something. <laughs> I I think this is totally a subjective question. You know, people people should write in and tell us how they like to prepare squatch, what their favorite cuts are. You yeah. know, just just hit us up on on Facebook and let us know because we're always looking for for good opportunities. I bet Seth's eating squash too. Oh yeah, he's surely. eating coyote and all kinds of uh -huh. stuff. Yeah, he, he he likes the wild stuff, that's for sure. <laughs> so, when you guys have hunted together, has he showed up in his sandals? <laughs> no, 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 he hasn't. He no, shows I up, haven't seen him in the saddles yet. <laughs> he shows up in the heel at a bear hunt. And and like mm -hmm. there's there's cactus and all kinds of stuff. It's high mountain desert, gila, ponderosa pine forest type stuff. But he's wearing these Jesus cruisers like up and down <laughs> the ridges. I was like, are you going to hunt in those? He goes, oh, yeah, I hunt in these all the time. We treat this bear down over the, and we went through i don't even know what kind of brush it was he he gave me all the scientific names for the brush and stuff but yeah um it had a bunch of thorns on it and stuff and he's just cruising through that stuff in open-toed sandals and pair of long pants yeah not even crocs right we're not no, talking no, 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 no. drive crocs we're talking no, these are like I, he told me the brand Cause I asked him what I say, I can't remember what I call them. He's like, dude, I don't wear those types of sandals. These are Tevas or something like that. You know, right. he's real elitist <laughs> about his sandal choice too. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, you have to be when you're doing full contact sandal, sandal hiking, you know, 100%, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's look at, let's look at a serious question and see. All right. I, I like the one. Um, I like the question and I got to find it cause I've got this saved like in three different, you know, on four different photos here, mm -hmm. find the one it's about the handgun choice. Oh, okay. There you go. Um, well, let me find the exact question here. I got you. You've got, have you got it? it? Says, yeah, I'll read it to you. Is it, is it common practice to carry a sidearm? I carry a nine millimeter for yotes and other predators in addition to your 22 or 17 rifle while coon hunting. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. All right. And so, that's Anthony James Anderson for that one right there. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony, thanks for that question. And, um, I'll just address it for years. When I first started working as a conservation officer in the state of Indiana, then, you know, it was, it was actually illegal to carry a firearm while, in pursuit of raccoons during what we call the the chase season okay summer season so uh it was it was totally unconstitutional and then 
somewhere around 2005 or so, uh, they made a decision that handguns with, um, we had a handgun permit at the time. We don't even have that anymore, but with the proper personal protection permit, then a person could carry a handgun. So, um, it's always been a common practice. though. I know people that have done it for years. I ran into people while I was working and they would be carrying a handgun. And I always kind of use the rule of thumb that, that if you're carrying a 22, uh, a Ruger Mark, Mark three 22 with a laser sight and a scope on it, that's probably not a personal defense handgun. So you were actually operating right. outside, outside the law. Could you use it for that? Yeah. But let's, you know, I'm not going to blow smoke up your skirt. Don't try to blow it up mine. That That's not why you were carrying that. Mm -hmm. So, um, I thought I was encouraged it because I don't carry, I can do more with, for coyotes and other predators with that 22 than I can with a handgun anyway, more than likely. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't let you get too close to them. I guess there are some certain circumstances where you could bust one out of a thick cover or something, fire up a shot with a handgun, you know, but <clears throat> you know, want to reach out just a little bit more most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Could, I, I'd say exercise your second amendment rights. And if you live in a state that's not America, then make it America. That's there my, <laughs> that's my theory on it. It's like, it should be. And somebody made the comment, which I thought was really valuable, um, uh, that, going back to that truck in the middle of the night yeah you know you don't know what's waiting on you when you get back there especially in today's day and age you got this truck parked you've been a mile over you know away from your truck you come back somebody's laying in the bushes waiting for you to open the door and some meth head's going to take off with your truck oh i had a friend back in florida that talked about coming back late hog hunting and loaded up all his dogs and got them all situated and was sitting there texting his wife, you know, like, Hey, I'm on my way home. I'm about to head out, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden heard like a bump, 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 bump uh, out from under his truck. And then some crackhead went taken off into the bushes. And, uh, I guess he was underneath trying to cut out his converter. <laughs> his catalytic oh, converter. Oh <laughs> man. Heck yeah. Yeah. And he was late and he loaded up the dogs and everything and never even knew he was under there, you know? And then, I can only imagine if he took off and started driving, you know, if he would have, you know, like with the trailer, you know, he could have cut the corner and ran him over or something, you know? So, yeah. So who, who knows, you know? <laughs> yeah. You just talk about the catalytic converter thefts and, and all of a sudden there you are. David Williams mm -hmm. got his, remember <laughs> two years ago down at Tyler? Yeah. Yeah. yeah at, at the hotel. Like yeah. And got up. it out too. It was gone. You yeah. Know? totally lost it that thing was so loud <laughs> he showed up the second day of the terror trials and it was like what the heck is going on with your truck you're running straight yeah. pipes and they they'd stolen his his converter so yeah my advice is i think it is common and it's it's your constitutional right to carry and obviously we're telling you to abide by your laws for civil liability reasons here but Man, if you're living in a state where it's not legal, then move to America or make your home state America. Mm -hmm. That's my advice on that. So thanks for that question, Anthony. And um, 
you talked about your buddy texting his wife. There's a question on here that I'd really like to to talk about. Uh huh. And that is how you get permission from your wife. Uh, to is that the to bring home another dog? Yeah. All right. Now are we talking dog or puppy? Yeah. Well, I want to find the exact question so we get it right. Here it is. Here we go. Caleb Roach. Okay, you got it. This is a second question he asks. He says, uh, another one is how do you convince your wife? Okay, not make your wife. You use really good word choices here. Hey, there you Caleb. go. <laughs> really good word choices. Uh, another one is how do you convince your wife to bring home another dog? Well, I'm really kind of wondering, are you trying to convince her to bring home another dog? Or are you trying to convince her to allow you to bring home another dog. That makes a big, big difference. Mm, it it does. Some people, some women, you know, they bring home plenty of dogs. If I had to, if I had to guess, he's probably saying what most people are having to deal with is he's wanting to bring home another one and he's trying to get her to, to go along happily with it. Right. Yeah. Is that what you think? Yeah. Uh, now, is this a, is this an adult dog or a pup? Because there's makes two a difference too. It makes a huge difference. I'll just go ahead and speak on the one I'm comfortable with. If it's a puppy, yeah. get it in her hands. <laughs> get it, get it in her hands. If they're holding it, man, you you got the upper, you got the upper hand. You know, like you are in, in the controlling position. You know, so like, don't ask, don't do nothing. Just walk up, put it in her hands, and then like walk away, and you're halfway there. And if that, that puppy, yeah, if that puppy, if she like cradles it and it lays uh -huh. its head up on her shoulder, just give the man the money and walk to the truck. You're going home with that puppy. Exactly. If you can get them to, like, burn it out a little bit ahead of time, you know, like have them go out there and rattle the, the kennel every 10 minutes or so so it's awake and running around and playing and you can put it in her hands and it starts to go to sleep, ah, then you're 75% there, you know? Like, <laughs> so I found if you get the dog in their hands, they can't hardly say no. The puppy, that is. Now, a dog, you know, that's that's more complicated, you know. I yeah, my, my experience been has been a little bit, a bit different on this whole thing, and I've got a, actually got a philosophy on it. All um, right. So the, for one thing, be a man. There you go. You don't, you don't <laughs> ask permission. You tell your woman that this is what you do. <laughs> You're laughing while you say that. <laughs> Chris, why, why are you chuckling while you say that? <laughs> I couldn't say it with a straight face. Yeah. <laughs> my grandpa never asked my grandma permission for anything. Yeah, like that. It sounded nice. No, so so my my is experience has been um a couple things one is my wife doesn't like to deal with the puppies she once they get here she tolerates them and she'll take care of them and she'll do all that stuff but she okay. doesn't she doesn't like you know puppies dragging stuff around and chewing um, stuff up on the porch and because all my pups run loose they run loose around here and they come in and out of the house and then they're peeing on the floor. And then, so it just creates a lot of drama. So what I've found is, is an older dog and a bark collar, they can be in the kennel for a week or two before <laughs> she wouldn't even know it <laughs> before they, she even knows they're here. And, <laughs> and so <laughs> that's awesome. And so, 
when she does walk out there, she looks and she's like, is that a new dog? I can pull the same tactic on her that she does when she breaks out a new outfit and comes walking out. She, I'll say, is that a new outfit? Oh, I've had this a long time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the trick is to define law. You know, yeah. that's, that is the key to communication here. Okay. Let's <laughs> define long. Are we talking, I mean, are we talking seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months? What are we, you know, yeah. long to me is like months. Yeah. And we don't always share that definition. So yeah. I can, after the dog's been there a week or two, I said, nah, that dog's been here a long time. Yeah. It's old skid boot, man. He, yeah. You yeah. remember him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, really, I mean, I'm saying just do it. And I don't care if this is a man or a woman, if it's your husband or your wife, you know, uh, if you're women and your, your husband's not into hounds or whatever, you've already decided you want the dog. You've already, you've already been spinning this up in your head. You know that you need another dog or you want another dog. If you don't get the dog, there's going to be a fight. If you do get the dog, there's going to be a fight. <laughs> so just do it and just, so, <laughs> just have one fight. Get in the fight with the dog rather yeah. than fight without the dog. There you go. Yeah. Just do there it. There you go. Just do yeah. it. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I've done with my hounds, but yeah. I think there's a responsibility here. I also know, um, I know my, I know the limits and the threshold. Like there's no mm -hmm. way I could be, you know, I could have 15 dogs here, you know, um, because for me personally, that's just my personal limit. And, you know, I like having about four, four or five. Mm -hmm. I can feed them. I can take care of them. I can exercise them. I can do what I want. And, um, I'm not breaking the bank to do it. So yeah. And but, keeping that many quiet, isn't mm -hmm. that hard, you know, and then managing the waste, you know, of that many, isn't that hard, you know? So I hear what you're saying, you know, go ahead and do it, you know, but like respect the other aspects of it. If you know the, you know, if, if they're noisy and that bothers the spouse, you know, or, or you're, you're slow with the waste and you want to get another one, maybe just speed up on that waste a little bit manage yeah. it a little bit better you know like uh but you know if you're willing to do that then they ought to be willing to allow it you know participate yeah yep. that makes sense to me i like i dig that but i i figure there's going to be a conflict one way or the other so just do it yeah <laughs> just do it <laughs> nike swoosh get That's the right. just do it just do it <clears throat> I'm down with that. Yeah. What's hmm. uh what's your what's your next choice here? Let's see. Dad, I uh what piqued your interest. I um well there's a few things. Uh, there's there's two of them, but let's see, let's see. Uh what makes folks stop hunting with hounds? Let's see. What was the exact uh reading on that? Um there you go. Uh what is it? Josh Michaelis? Yeah. Uh what makes uh folks quit hunting with hounds? And I guess there, there's probably a, a number of answers to that one, right? You know, um, but in my opinion, if I have to base it off of what's got me to cut back on dogs or get out of a specific venue or when I watch my buddies do it, all of us have that passion, the drive to go and we get the thing and the trailer and the dogs and all of this. And we have this like, I don't know, romanticized idea about what it's going to be when we go out and we stay out all day or all night or something like that. And I guess what I'm trying to build up to here is we don't make it easy enough 
you know, um, there's something to be said. I got a buddy and he gets on way more bear and lion than I do way more bear than lion than I do, but he'll go out. He makes it as easy as possible. He has it to where he could pull his truck right up in front of his kennels and he can open the kennel doors and they all run and dive in the dog box and he'll drive right down the street to an okay area and do like, like an hour's pass. And he'll do that like every day or every other day. And if he doesn't get on anything, then he doesn't turn out, you know? But like he goes on these quick little hunts and makes it, he fits it into his daily routine, you know? Wow. And uh, like, if you think about, I'm sure you've done it. I know I do it all the stinking time. We're like, no, we're going until we find something. Then you come back and you're exhausted. You got to put the dogs away and you miss some other obligations. And you, you know, it's just, it's too much work. It's, and it doesn't have to be that way. If you, I go for, I try, I find my dogs are best when I go as many times as possible and they could be short hunts. They don't have to be the longest thing, you know, like go out, load the dogs up, get out, do look for like an hour, a quick hour, you know, and if you don't find something, maybe dump them down and, you know, exercise the legs just a little bit, you know, like if you got a spot, you could road a dog real quick, road them, pack them back up and then head home and get into the next thing, you know, but I find everybody tries to make it too dang hard and then it's just not worth it anymore. The juice ain't worth a squeeze. So fewer, simpler hunts are easier on your, your you your dogs your dogs get more out of it it's easier on you it's easier on your family and it allows you to to meet your other obligations that you may want to be a part of too it doesn't always have to be work and family obligations it, it could be you want to go target shooting or hunt a different type of dog or whatever but like Watch football I game have, yeah go yeah whatever i have too many venues of dogs so for me if I pour all that time into one, I'm somebody else's sacrifice. And so I like to, you know, I've tried really trying to take that to heart since I found it. I try and make it as easy as absolutely possible. So that'd be, that's my thoughts on it. We, you know, work on simplifying your hunting routine and everybody will benefit from it. I, I definitely hunt more when it's more simple. If I get out of the groove, you know, um, then uh, it's easy for me to sit back and, and think about, you start thinking, where are my collars at? Are they charged? My dog box sitting on the truck. Um, you know, the dogs are going to act crazy for the first 20 minutes of the hunt because mm -hmm. I haven't hunted in two weeks, you know? So mm -hmm. when I start getting out of the groove, then it's harder for me to get motivated to go back. I've got a friend of mine. They, he, he was a, he's a coon hunter here locally and he spent a year and he hunted every night for a year straight. Mm -hmm. every every day and he told me he said some nights were two or three hours but a lot of nights were 45 minutes to an hour you know Bingo. from the time i left the house we went down the road uh you know we treat a coon we're back to the house i had to work the next day boom but he hunted every day and and he and his partner actually won the pkc state race that year with that dog oh, nice and that, that included, that included the nights that they were out competing with the dog as well. So, okay. um, but when you start talking about like for me, bear hunting, lion hunting, stuff like that, you know, it has to be an event. Now, once I get there, you know, it becomes a daily event. Like if I go to New Mexico, then mm -hmm. boom, we're hunting every day and yep. it becomes a routine there. But I get another thought I had you know, you identified that there could be tons of reasons, you know, a lot of that, uh, what I'm experiencing here now, especially is access, a lot of oh, access yeah. 
opportunities when you don't live somewhere where you have large tracts of public land you got deer season going on you start doing the uh the crazy hot chicks matrix with access versus re, you know reward for doing that sort of stuff you know uh -huh. and, and thinking about where you're going to go and and busy roads i know a lot of old, older guys that have quit hunting that just like i don't have any place to hunt anymore they didn't keep up with with changes on land ownership and mm -hmm. and a lot of that stuff so that could be that could be part of it as well oh 100 especially if you got a long commute to your you know good spot or where you want to go or you have to go these days or that time of the season i got a lot of land around me <clears throat> that's all private that i have rights to but certain times of the years it's all leased out to the the outfitters and everything yeah and it makes me travel further earlier in the season and as the cold comes in it freezes everybody else out like a bunch of mosquitoes and the whole world's mine again <laughs> <laughs> so i can't wait for it to get so cold nobody else wants the party um but i have to travel further in the beginning of the season you know like right now i'm, I'm having to travel further if i want to run for you know so uh I, I definitely could see that and like you say don't keep up on access you know what app I use on my phone more than any other app besides the podcast app to listen to this here podcast? I use Onyx. Onyx Maps is the most comprehensive mapping system for hunters on the market today. I use it all the time. When I was in New Mexico, I was looking at 40,000 acres of ranch that I needed to learn. I flip open Onyx and just start studying, studying the map. When I'm riding trails, I put the tracking app on. It helps me get around in strange country. I could mark water sources, food sources, bear sign, just all kinds of options within Onyx. You need to check out Onyx Maps by going to houndsmanxp.com. Click on the link on our sponsor page. You'll go right to Onyx Maps. And when you check out, enter the code HXP20 and you will get 20% off of your order. Know where you stand with Onyx. That's, that's important, you know. And, and speaking of which, I've already got my my mind made up, you know. Like I, I try and do simple things for my landowners that give me rights, you know, like even if it's as simple as sending a Christmas card with a genuine thank you written in there. My wife does all this. So <laughs> when I say my that's, idea, that's why you know, don't want to like, make her mad about dogs. Yeah. Right. You know, but like she'll <laughs> participate in it, you know, and it just a, a, a quick little Christmas card saying, thank you for the opportunity. You know, man, that goes a long way. You know, that yeah. goes a really long way with maintaining landowner rights, you know, this so. maintaining landowner permissions could be a, a whole podcast in and of itself really i, I was thinking the exact same thing right yeah. now i was like man i could talk on that for like an hour easy <laughs> yeah health uh, issues are another reason you know some people oh, yeah you know some people just get to the point they have new health issues pop up and they simply can't go anymore uh that could be it or feel they um, need to go with a buddy i got a i got a distant friend that has a, a heart condition and he feels like he only should go hunting when he's with somebody else now you know mm -hmm. um and uh so yeah i that could definitely you know cripple cripple your hunting a little bit if you got to be play by somebody else's schedule or or you can't even can't even make it up the mountain anymore god mm -hmm. forbid oh god that sounds like a nightmare i don't even want to talk about that <laughs> i'm gonna be able to run to the top of the mountain forever chris forever <laughs> i'm never gonna get old i've decided against big it. newtons and you're gonna be struggling that's right, man. Them are the good ones. <laughs> oh, I, those are the ones I 
what are those nature ways or something uh nature's bakery yeah you know and that's the apple flavor i haven't seen the apple flavor that's the best breakfast one they got. They got the raspberry and the blueberry, and those are those are pretty good, you know? Yeah. But apple, that one's best in the morning. That's got breakfast <laughs> biscuit written all over it. <laughs> I find the raspberry are more like an afternoon, you know, in between lunch and first supper. You know, not not as far as second supper or third supper, you know? Right. But right. between lunch and first supper, a raspberry Newton comes in real nice, you know? I got you. I got you. <laughs> You know, getting back to that question, I just had a thought about something else too. I think, I think at times with our hunting and different things, we, we become stuck in, um, well, it's a paradigm, but, but let's just talk about traditions. You know, what hunting is to me now isn't, doesn't mean the same things that it did to me in 1983. You know, when I was that age, it was the excitement of going on the hunt and being involved. I remember showing up the first, first ever coon season where I had my own dog. I had my driver's license. My uncle who got me into hunting invited me to come up and hunt. And he said, be up at the house about dark. Well, it's November and dark is, you know, anywhere it's six thirty, seven o'clock, you okay. know? I'm sitting in his driveway at five, you know? <laughs> yeah. So you go, this is it. This is a night. So as, as we get older and we start to see styles of dogs change, maybe technology for tracking systems, um, becomes more complicated. You know, some of this stuff, a lot of times people just, they develop these strict rules for what hunting should be and how it should be. And when they can't enjoy it like that anymore, then then they just quit yeah 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 and there's you know pros and cons to that you know you want hunting to be exactly what it is but things change period you know and you find a way to grow with it and still find some enjoyment out of it or you're gonna you're gonna miss out on it entirely and i don't i never want to be without it so i'm gonna try and you know chase chase hunting and wherever it goes you know but exactly. I definitely see what you're saying. You know, like the idea of being able to just go out to a certain spot and dump them and not worry about property lines anymore. I'm sure that a lot of the old timers that came before us, you know, like the idea of having to manage property lines like we do now would just be a nightmare, you know? And like, I, I imagine some wouldn't be able to tolerate it, you know? Yeah. We had, we had spots when I was a kid, I'd get mom or dad to actually drive me around and hunt a Creek from two or three miles away and hunted all the way back home. You oh, know, that's we, clever. And we had, we had dogs were different though, because they were hunter, you know, closer hunting dogs, things that's like right. that. They weren't turning the dog loose and you're walking a mile in some weird direction to go get them. They hunted around you. They hunted with you, but we crossed all kinds of properties there. You know, there was a nursery and, and there was a guy that owned a car dealership that didn't live there. Uh, but we just hunted it. Nobody ever said anything to right. us and nobody cared. You know, the, so I kind of fall into that too, where there's only one place that we got a little nervous because we call her the rifle woman. If you got oh too boy. far, yeah. If you got too far to the North, you know, if they hit the branch and they went, went North on you and treat up in there, then, then you wanted to sneak in there and sneak out. I never got shot at. I think it was just her own, her own, uh, self-propelled reputation and rumor mill 
that she would shoot at people if anybody came on her property. But we the call rifle her, woman, the huh? rifle woman. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a lot of it. I think there's, I think it's not as easy as just being put your finger on one thing and saying why people, oh yeah, people get out. And then the laws change. There's a, there's a bunch you could scatter it at. I just sure. Yeah, um, I think all of those are good points. You know, I think the drive's there, and we're willing to fight for a lot of these things, like the right to pursue hounds and and uh, maintaining the hunter's rights. As long as it's as long as we're just getting enough juice out of it, you know, as long as we're getting enough enjoyment out of it, you know. Yeah. And I say for me, the key to that is that try and make it easy on yourself. And you mentioned collars earlier, like just something as simple as that, like having your collars in a bag and your handheld in a bag on the charger, just have them in the bag on the charger and just maybe stuff a handful of leashes in there. Cause there's nothing worse than getting out there and finding your collars dead or your handheld dead, or you forgot something. My dumbass has been up there before. And I was in the, I, I went out on Crocs. I didn't even put my shoes on. I had my like house shoes on, you know, trying to go, you know, outside in the backyard. And I, I got out there and I hunted, I finished the hunt. I didn't care. You know, I was in snow. <laughs> um, but, Just like uh, Seth and his sandals. Ah, yeah well mine wasn't on purpose so. <laughs> uh i'd freeze i've death, never man. forgot to put my boots on chad no i have i've man. done it a few times or or ended up in the really cold season i'll put like my mucks on you know that i use for stomping around out in the dog yard you know like when the snow's up to my calves you know and i'm just shuffling around out there doing dog maintenance or something like that and they're like you know what i'm gonna go and then just throw the the only time I, i've ever done the side of them what's that the only time I've ever done it is like when I was going to a competition hunt or I was going somewhere to uh -huh. meet somebody to hunt and you get that sick feeling about where you're too far to turn around. Yeah. You got to make a decision. Either yeah. I'm going or I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> that you're a decision point. If I go home, then I won't go back. And if I go, mm. I've got to hunt without boots. So I have done that before. And I don't know about you, but I always, I always realize it because I get like a draft on my ankle, you know, I feel a little <laughs> extra wind on my ankle. I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> oh, what did I do to myself? You know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, hey, let's, uh, let's jump on Alex, uh, Kreshev's question. It's something I've talked about before, but I think there's a lot of, um, I know Alex and I've got some good thing. I've got some good points to make. Alex writes, is it really that bad to include a kill shot in your YouTube video or social media posts? The question, the question that has been bantered around on this podcast, other podcasts, articles have been written about it. What's your thoughts? I guess it all depends on the game, you know, and, uh, what what you're hunting and then how it goes down. Cause I've seen every end of the spectrum. I've seen like some deer hunting videos where they make a rifle shot and the deer just folds up and lays down. And like, that's fantastic. You know, that's, I think that personally, I think that's fine. I don't think there's much wrong with that. Now, if, um, on the other end of the spectrum, I've seen like a deer hunting video where, uh, uh, it got, crippled and they had to bring in the dogs you know and it was a gut shot and they had to bring in the dogs to track it down and then you know the dogs are smaller dogs and they're baying this deer and it's like standing in its own guts you know and i'm like god, god don't put that on there you know like don't we don't need to see that you know like 
so I think it's 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 on a case by case basis, you know, like uh, there's there's folks that say don't talk about hunting at all. And I think that's wrong. You know, like it needs mm-hmm. to be we need to I feel strongly that if we hide everything, then we're making it seem like we're doing something wrong. And, you know, it won't be a part of society, you know, but on the other end of the spectrum, I know how babies are made, man, but I don't need to see a video of it, dude. You know, it's right. not, you know, like there's, there's a, there's a, a line to cross, you know, and, and I feel like we do a pretty good job nowadays of starting to police ourselves, you know, like approving of stuff that looks clean and then speaking up about the stuff that probably shouldn't be out there, you know? So I like, if it were to be a, a rule, no, I don't think all kill shots should be out of it, you know, but like, take a long look at it. Talk to your buddies, you know, maybe get involved in somebody that, that, that has like a, a, if you're talking specifically about social media, maybe talk to a fellow that is big into social media, you know, get their buy-in, you know, like, uh, you know, and, 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 and try and go from there, you know, cause I know we want to share, we're proud of what we do. You know, but if we're putting it on social media, we're kind of speaking for the community as a whole. So I don't think it's the end of the world to, to get a little bit of buy-in and, and try and protect this awesome thing that we all like to enjoy. I, yeah, I think anytime you start putting hard and fast rules on something that you're engaged in a mindset to lose, you know, mm-hmm there you can't ever put a hard and fast rule on stuff one thing that i would say you can usually tell pretty quick whether or not a video is what the purpose of the video is um is it an ego boost for you or is Mm -hmm. it actually adding value to to the hunting community the way you post things and there's a lot of different things different directions you can go on this um, as far as that goes, but, but I think it comes from just taking a moment and asking yourself, why am I posting this? Why Mm -hmm. am I posting this particular thing? Because you can scroll through social media and develop a pretty good idea of that person's, um, the kind of person they want to portray themselves of at, by why they post. That's how algorithms are built. You know, yep. that's why we see things in our algorithms that uh, reflect our interests because they're taking what we post and then trying to put us together with, with other like-minded people so that yep. we form this community. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, so I think first thing we need to do is ask ourselves, why am I posting? Is it, is it a brag post where, um, you know, I can be the macho man and, and show this, or is it, is it serving another purpose? And there's nothing wrong with, you know, showcasing your hard work. I'm not saying that, you know, we mm-hmm. need, we need to, um, be able to do that. A lot of it is, is the presentation as well. And Brad, Brad Luttrell pointed this out, like with go wild. Uh, he talks a lot about social media presentation if the only thing you're ever posting is the kill shot and not talking about any of the other process a good as, point as far as you know telling the story of raising this puppy having your kids you know a shot of the the kids helping you train the puppies uh 
you know, hauling the dogs down the road, a dog doing something goofy. And the only thing you're showing is the grip and grin or the trigger pulling. That's such a perverted, narrow uh, representation of, of what we do. So I say that as long as you're telling the other parts of the story, and Alex does an outstanding job at this, by the way. I mean, that guy, he's always posting values and, and intrinsic values of hunting and and the kids and friends and, and storylines about the dogs and all kinds of things. It doesn't even shock me that, that if he would post a shot of a bear coming out of a tree, not shocking at all, because I've known his track record behind other stuff. I know other people that the only time you ever see a picture from them or a post from them is a bloody bear like draped across a dog box and being like, mm -hmm. yeah, I got it done today. Right. You know, <laughs> like, cool. Great. And I think we have to be very careful though. I just recently saw a compilation of kill shots that's being circulated in a state right now where uh, some hunting rights are going to be on the ballot on the ballot in 2024. Okay. So we have to be very, we have to be on point for that and realize that that threat's out there too. So just take it into consideration. That's my, I don't think there's any hard and fast rule. If you guys want a good example of how to do this successfully, follow Alex because he's got some good stuff out there. Yep. Yep. I, I like to, I like to focus if it's going to be big game shots in a tree, you know, how, how, how the, the critter comes out might play a little bit into it. You know, yeah. if it kind of crumples away all right and falls down to the bushes and just keep the camera up in the tree you know if you have a dog down that's gonna go you know put a mouth on it a little bit you know uh or if it hits every branch on the way down like a pinball machine you know like we don't that that probably doesn't need to be on there bumping you know? and bouncing or, off the ground and and mm -hmm. turning a bunch of dogs loose to go down there and maul a dead carcass it's like dude we all know that happens we don't we don't have to put that out there yeah, and and like and they can take that video and and make it say what they want it to say. You know, we all have let our hounds mouth a dead a dead animal. You know, to put some taste with the odor and really, you know, get involved, get it, get in there, get a good nose of it, and you know, reward themselves for for the chase a little bit. But if you have a handful of them and they're kind of jiggling it around a little bit, if you turn the camera angle the right way and zoom in, you know, they could make it look like that animal is still alive. They could do, they could do a lot of stuff, you know, and they could edit your videos. So it's not just from beginning to end and like, see, it is dead. Well, they didn't take the full minute video, man. They took the five seconds and it looks like they're chewing on a live one or something like that. So like, yeah. think of it that way. Think of what these people that hate what you do could do with it and then try and go that way. So. I think that'll help. Artificial. Have you looked at any of the things they're able to produce now with artificial intelligence? No. Oh, you mean the the AI paintings or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. voice replications, video taking your face. I don't know what it's going to look like in the future. I mean, it's the 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 cards are stacked, the deck stacked against us on this thing. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as being able to effectively represent ourselves in a social media arena as hunters, because they can basically take your face 
Yeah, uh, it's crazy. I'm not even going to try to explain it because I don't understand it, but it's right. coming. So it's coming. What's next, buddy? Um, let me see. What was um? I thought one was pretty cool. Uh, about uh, let's see. Let me find the fella. Um. All right. So Jacob Morgan uh, said, "Since deer hunters just want to shoot big bucks." Could you train a deer dog to only run bucks and not does? Uh, if you think it's possible, how would you go about training one to just run bucks? And I put a little bit of thought into this one this morning, not too much, you know, but it, in my opinion, it, it could be done. Yes. Yes, it could be done. Is it worth the worth? Is the juice worth the squeeze? Probably not. You know, most deer season, deer dog and seasons are, are not long enough as is, you know, back when I lived in Louisiana, we had a month. That was it. You know, and the amount of time you'd have to take to train it. And I'll get into real quick, briefly, you know, how, how, like how I would go about training it, but like the time it would take to train it and the amount of time you have, I just, to me, the juice ain't worth the squeeze. If you could run for whatever reason, let's just say you could run deer year round, then yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But I think the easiest way to go about that is it have to be seasonally too. Um, but I would focus on associating, um, a male, a buck in rut, you know, um, the odor and all the extra stuff they have going on, you know, we could smell a difference. So to a dog, it's, it's glaring, right? you know, so I would work on focusing that as a stimulus, you know, I like get one with that big soggy patch on his forehead, you know, and, and work with that from a young age and then only run them in certain times of the year. And that's the other thing I'm talking about with like, is it, is it worth it? Could it be done? Yes, it could be done, but is it worth it to only have a dog that you only run, during buck season you know like during during like the main rut you know so it, i think that's the way to go about it you know land tracks land trails only turn them out on bucks um in the rut that are worked up and then after you've associated a reinforcement with that odor then you start breaking them off of the does when you see them run it and if 100 you can train it if the, if the deer dog and guys right now can get a get a a deer recovery dog to identify the wounded deer and disregard the others right I, I don't know about you i can't smell the difference between a deer and a bloody deer but the dog can but i could sure as heck smell the difference between a doe and a buck in rut <laughs> i don't even yeah. have to walk all the way up to your truck sometimes to know you got a ruddy deer in there you know so yeah i think it's definitely possible it really goes back to a lot of the things that Heath talks about a lot and the things that we've all, you know, all of us that have tra trained law enforcement dogs is scent discrimination. Bingo. You know, you have the, those dogs have the ability to do scent discrimination work. If they can tell Chris Powell from Chad Reynolds, they can tell the difference between a buck and a doe, mm -hmm. you know? So the only problem I see is you know, if you're free casting dogs, there's a lot of front end work that you got to do to get to the point where it's not going to strike a doe, you right. know? So it's a little bit easier in my mind to train scent discrimination in a human tracking dog, because I know my quarry, I know this is the person I'm looking for and they need to ignore scent from everything else. But if yep. you're just going to generally broadly train, only go out and run male deer, and disregard i don't know i don't know if it'd be easier or or, or more difficult 
in my mind, the way my mind's wired, it seems like it'd be more difficult. I can't set up standards and control situations. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, controlled environment. That's the big thing with narc and bomb detection. You know, like you, you control every, yeah. most of it until, until it's a trained, you know, behavior that you can replicate over and over and over again. And then you take it to the field, you know, it'd be hard, you know, now if you had a giant high fence, you know, like yeah, you could, <laughs> you could move through the steps uh, far faster, but you talked about scent discrimination and I figured I'd share something, you know, with the listeners that I, I found is like the best way to describe it. And I got this from a fellow named Jerry Bradshaw. He's the owner operator of Tar Heel Canine, uh, uh, juggernaut in the dog training world globally. Um, but he likes to talk about scent discrimination as like we come into the house and the old lady's been cooking some apple pie, and we come in and and then uh, apple pie, you know, that's that smells good. Whereas a dog comes in and goes, cinnamon, brown sugar, flour, egg yolks, like they break it's all broken up. Yeah. They smell, they have literally, they can discriminate the sense. And that's how narc and bomb and everything works. You know, like without getting too far into it, we teach the dog, a bomb dog, um, to identify these number of odors. And as long as they can identify these, whatever number of odors, um, they can find every explosive, you know, that we need to find, you know, cause every explosive has one of those simple odors in it to it. So if you can isolate, you know, the buck in in rut odor now you're gonna have a gray line there where adolescent males you know where like maybe there's a little bit there they've still got their own pheromone hormone thing going on where they're gonna never detectable to us but they're definitely Mm -hmm. gonna be different it's like um it's like when there's a woman around Mm -hmm. you know it's if you're standing there with a bunch of guys it's like you almost no, when a woman walks in the room, you're kind of like, mm. you know, <laughs> seriously. I mean, there's something to yeah. that. Uh-huh. That and and dogs are more acute in that sense than we are. Oh yeah, they got the tools that are way way above ours. Mm-hmm. So, um, I I like to think of it as like we're so so much eye oriented. You know, we'd walk into a room, we'd notice somebody with a strobe light on their head immediately. Right? right. Like, how could you not see that guy? He's got yeah. a a yeah. strobe light right on his forehead, Bob. You know, you blind, you know, <laughs> with a dog, with a dog, that odor is as striking as like a flashing strobe light would be to us, you know? And uh it's it's they can't miss it, you know. And and again, back to the scent discrimination. That's why back when I used to run hog dogs all the time, you'd you'd <laughs> I'd have a trashy puppy or something, grab a hold of a skunk. You know, and he'd take a shot of skunk spray right to the nose, you know, and it, eyes are watering and drooling and everything. I mean, he could still track, though. They could still track. They can still discriminate, you know. Right. To me, in my opinion, you know, that'd be the same as being in a blue room and trying to find the red sticker on the wall. Just because the whole room's blue doesn't mean you can't see red anymore. Yeah. You know, with our weak nose, it could be overpowered. That's a fact. I have sure. no doubt. But they have a highly tuned nose. So, like, even if everything smells like skunk, they could still smell the little bit of deer or the little bit of coon or whatever, you know? Like, it's... Right. It, they could still discriminate the two. They can isolate each, so... We haven't even uh, scratched the surface on our understanding of what a dog's nose can actually do. I mean, I would really. love to walk through the world one day like that. Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be, oh, oh, it'd be, <laughs> it'd be amazing? It'd be wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, let's look for another one. 
Blake Doyle, I'm going to answer this real quick because um, the question is, in episode 64, I believe your guest was discussing a dog that was having occasional seizure epileptic type issues. Chris, seemed like you had some info you wanted to share but didn't want to get off topic. I have a dog with similar symptoms. Usually only happens after a hard race. He'll circle for a bit, almost act blind, mainly in the right eye. Have blood had blood work done, nothing abnormal, no tick-borne disease, but thyroid tests did test low, so started him on medication. Just curious if anyone else has seen similar issues. Well, if I had a thought about this, Blake, I'll just it, I can't recall what it was. You know, um, it's a pretty long and lengthy question that you have for us that maybe some people that have had similar issues could message you on that and, and give you some, some of their experiences. I personally never had a dog that ha had seizure issues going back to the thyroid thing. You know, we've had enough veterinarians on the podcast to talk about looking at all of the other issues that, that could be contributing to, uh, thyroid malfunctions, make sure you're checking all those boxes. So, not a lot of reason for me to spend a lot of time. I appreciate you asking the question, Blake, but, but like I said, man, if I had an original thought about that, it has escaped me because uh, I don't recall. What you got Chad? Um, on that one, the, the only things I've had, um, I've had, uh, uh, some sight hounds that had, uh, um, I'm trying to bring up, just so I can make sure I get the the blood work right. Um, I've had a dog that had seizures, you know, some pups that I got into that had seizures. And I've had an older dog that went a long life and, and had no, no issues in that regard at all. You know, that, that never had any seizures were healthy, powerful running dogs with powerful hearts and everything like that. And then one day loaded the dog up, and uh everything was fine you know beating their tail you know beating their butt and elbows all the way to the dog box and dove in there and then um got to the field and, and the dog had passed and had seizures oh. it had a bunch of hay in its mouth coming out its mouth down its throat and it was just you know it like laid down in the straw you know in the straw that i had in the back of the dog box and just hyperventilated and, and, wow. and seized um and uh that dog uh the vet's did every test they could on them. Everything was fine, you know, and the, you know, afterwards, but I had two young pups that I had just gotten from a gentleman, um, that started showing, you know, some epileptic issues, you know, and it's only been these three dogs in my entire life, you know, and all three of them just happened to be sighthounds. Um, but, uh, the, the pups, we did blood work on them and I am for the life of me having trouble pull, pulling this up here. Um, but, uh, I believe it was kidney failure. The hmm. kidneys were just fried from who knows. You know, I talked to the gentleman. He didn't know exactly what could have happened, but maybe they got into some kind of uh, poison, you know, or something that's poisonous to the dogs or something like that. But their kidneys were failing, you know. So hmm. the dog was going through like toxic shock, you know, because it couldn't process all these toxins in its body, even the naturally occurring ones at this point. Like his kidneys were done, you know. And uh, they just couldn't process it anymore. And whenever the dog would get bad, 
it would start to have epileptic episodes. And then when we'd take it to the vet and then we'd clean it out with this like IV, um, an IV bag of fluids because they would be dehydrated. They had clean water, the whole bit, the top care, lived in the house, you know, the, the whole bit. I was, yeah. I was getting, throwing the works at it. And, uh, but it, it just couldn't process the toxins. And was on this IV bag with nutrition. So it got, it was getting its food, its calories through the IV. It would clean up and the behavior would go away and it would come back home and I'd do everything I possibly could to this dog. And it would slowly just become more and more and more toxic till it, it couldn't even stand. It would walk around like it was drunk and then it would start seizing. So there you go. Um, blood work is not that expensive depending on your vets. Now I say that living in the middle of nowhere and I get the good old country boy vets, you know, that, you know, uh, will give, you know, everything for pennies on the dollar. But I imagine in a city blood work might not be that bad, you know, and it, it answers a lot of questions. You could rule out the liver function, the kidneys, you know, uh, hydration. There's a lot of stuff, um, that plays into that. Cause the seizure is just basically the body, like given up you know and that can happen yeah. from a number of reasons not just a very specific neurological rewiring you know they're like like i said in my example it was kidney failure it was mm -hmm. toxic shock the body was dripping and and just its own toxins so which is go. also going to affect your thyroid yep so yep. you've put your dog on a thyroid medication and you've you've treated a symptom but you haven't found the cause that's yep. that's what i'm thinking in this case for you Yep. Well, you got you got anything else? Or we're gonna wrap this one up, Chad. No, that's 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 about all I got, man. Uh, I thought those are all the good questions I saw on there that I like. You we'll know? go off. I want to. I want to. I want to finish off on a high note. All right. What you got? And Billy George, right, asks since Josh Michaelis didn't have a dog in any of the world finals, does that mean he has lost his elite status? Oh boy. Yeah. Kinda. That's a good question, Billy. I I don't know what I don't know that Josh can lose his elite status. Just just saying it right now. Anybody that if he builds that that lawnmower out of that geo tracker that he that he's trying to make into a hunting rig, then <laughs> that's freaking elite. You know, that that is elite on every level. Yeah. Uh, you know, if if he can truly convert a geo tracker into a pleasurable vehicle to hunt out of, that's got its own merits. <laughs> yeah. Would yeah. you agree? Oh, uh, I I'd say yeah, that you know, that's that's pretty fancy. Um did uh he's also he's did, also he's also willing to share. I you know, and most time you know, when people truly achieve elite status, they're willing to share, you know, mm -hmm. they, um, they recognize it and they want other people to come along. So he's, he's helping create this elite handler series. It's a competition coon hunting thing. So he's an equal opportunity elitist if he's an elitist, because he's trying to make other people elite as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I dig. Do, do you think the uh, geo tracker has a, do those have a pull chain to get them going or, or did you have to throw some biscuits to the hamsters in the beginning? But no, to go back to what you're saying. Yeah, man. I, you know, those that are willing to get out there and then help bring other people in, answer questions, dedicate time. God, that one I'm finding is 
you know, the people that take this seriously and hunt as hard as they possibly can and put that much time into it, if they break off a few minutes to share with, you know, a beginner or somebody that just wants to get a little bit better at it, I mean, that that is that's the most valuable thing I to thing I have. You know, I'm not oh, rich, yeah. but I'm okay. You know, I'm doing okay. There ain't anything more know? valuable than time. Time, man. Like if I if you I stop and it. talk to you for 30 minutes about dogs, man, I'm it's it's valuable to me. You may not be able to go buy a car with it, but like it's the most valuable thing I got is yeah. is to break off a little bit of time and and then and, and as well as the the knowledge, the time it took to get the knowledge and, and want to share it with everybody. So I think that is incredibly respectable, you know, yeah. for anybody that, that takes the time to share their their experiences and knowledge with somebody else. I know Billy George was was having a good time and poking fun at Josh. Mm-hmm. Josh can take it. He deserves every bit he gets. And he he actually kind of likes it too. So uh but yeah, Josh, Josh is one of those guys that that like you said is willing to share his time. And that puts him in an elite status. There's way too many people that are trying to uh hold their cards close to the vest and act like they're sitting on, you know, the the treasure map to success and they don't want to share and that's really not good for our our um, community or our culture so anytime you find somebody that's willing to put themselves out there and put their opinions out there and share those that knowledge with other people that puts them in elite status in my book I agree. And for uh, for two simple reasons, you know, there's multiples, just like the other things we we're talking about. There's multiple reasons, but the two glaring ones for me are one, the willingness to help others. You know, like that's, that's important. This sport will go away if we don't help it grow. You know, we need to get out there with the kids. We need to get out there with new people. We need to take, you know, people that won't even own their own dogs hunting sometimes. And the people that want to be better at it, we need to put the good knowledge in their heads to make them better. And, you know, it, it benefits all of us. So just, just the time it takes to, to help out the, you know, the, the young people in the game, you know, either on age or experience in this, in this venue is, is super important. And then on the other side, man, it's real easy to act like a know-it-all when you never say anything. It's real easy to, to act like a know-it-all when you just don't talk, you know? So yeah. anybody going out there and giving their opinions and saying what they thoughts and here's my, here's, here's what I would do, or hey, this is what I think, or here's the way I do it. There you go. You know, like be confident enough to throw your stuff out there. You're going to get some people that, you know, are going to chew it up and but whatever, you know, there's a, there's a thousand ways to skin this cat. Oh, but yeah. if you aren't talking, you know, if you aren't sharing your experiences, I don't know, you're, you're too afraid of getting them challenged. Maybe so maybe, yeah. maybe what you're doing really ain't that mm. great after all, you know? So, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, steel needs to be tested, you know? So I hear I you. those are my thoughts on that. Yep. Yep. No, I really want to just rip Josh a new one. And then you Is talk right? me out of it. Yeah, you really talk me out of it. But yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we can. We we still can. <laughs> we can go back to that geo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you taking time, Chad. And uh for everybody out there, watch for that. Join our Facebook group. Yeah. And um, we have a lot of fun in there. Randy Tivis is back to to post a lot of cool videos of of coyote hounds and side hounds chasing coyotes chad's posting a bunch of cool yeah chad's posting a bunch of stuff we're all i mean it's just it's really a great community and uh encourage you to to join us over there on on our facebook group we have a good time in there and um join you can also go to our website and 
purchased some merchandise from our store. We've got um, long sleeve tees. We've got short sleeve tees. We've got hats. we got all kinds of stuff in there. Decals, tumblers. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff in there. And that helps yeah. support support this show and keeps the lights on so we can keep answering questions and fighting the good fight and, and having a good time for all of our hound hunting friends out there. And one of my favorite, one of my favorite hats is that, that gray hat with the, uh, houndsman logo off to the, off to the side of it, you know, and it's got yeah. the mesh back, you know, for the hot weather, but it's got that, I don't know, that tannish gray up front. I, I love that hat. Yeah. I got blood all over it up in my, up in the, up in the North game bird hunting. So now it's cool. got blood. I, I got hot as heck and put it in the back of my game bag and then stacked a bunch of bloody birds on top of it. So I messed it up. I'm going to have to get another one. Cause that was my, that was my favorite Houndsman XP hat right there. You know, post a picture uh, of it, man, post a picture yeah. of that well-worn hat. I love what seeing those hats that are, you know, used for more than just going to town in. There you go. All right. I'll put, uh, yeah. when we hang up, I'll go ahead and put that on there. You know, hundred yeah. percent, you know, I still wear it. Cool. I'm not going to stop. You know, it's got chucker blood and everything on it. I'm still going to wear it. <laughs> You know, maybe not to church on Sunday, you know, <laughs> <There> maybe, you <laughs> go. maybe, maybe not out to the wedding, you know, or there something you go. like that. For sure. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning into this AMA Friday. Make sure we, after you join our group, you look for that next photo of Tough and I and uh, post those questions up. We have fun doing these and gives us an opportunity to kind of get off some of the serious stuff, have a good time, have some laughs and share our knowledge with you guys so that's going to do it for this episode of the houndsman xp podcast this is air chase